It is Thursday, March 10th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schauf, and I have a special edition today with a special guest. He's a senior writer for The Athletic, covering the Washington Commanders, among other things. He is an accomplished mock drafter of the NFL. He is a host of the Standing Room Only podcast, and you can and should follow him on Twitter, at Ben Standing, because that's who he is, Ben Standing. Ben, thanks very much for joining me today. Matt, I appreciate it, man. It's been it's been a minute. We've uh, we, we we've talked for a bunch over the years, so it's good to uh, to reconnect. That's right. I, I'm sure that most people who follow you now for Washington football news don't know that you used to be a fantasy guy. You've been a fantasy guy longer than you've been one of our main Washington guys. I know we our connection goes back to when you were working at FF Toolbox and had your podcast there. So I figured that you would be the perfect guy to come in and have the Washington insight and be able to look at the fantasy angle and help to help us start the process, the Carson Wentz trade. It's appropriate that I used to work for a fantasy site that changed its name now that I cover a team that's changed its name. So there you go. <laughs> you should be used to change at this point. So, <laughs> you know, obviously the Carson Wentz trade went down yesterday. It surprised us all. We heard about Washington going after Russell Wilson before that. So it's not surprising that they were looking for a new quarterback. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler said today, he tweeted it just a little bit ago, that they also looked into Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mitchell Trubisky before landing on this trade. So I guess I know that it's still a short window since it happened, but what have you heard, if anything, about what made them land on going ahead and getting Carson Wentz? Or even what are you what are you inferring from what you do know to this point? Yeah, I mean, Ron Rivera's been pretty open about they're they're doing a hard target search to find a quarterback. He's done a ton of interviews. He's spoken to the local reporters several times. Um, I had him on, I had him for the athletic right before the combine and over and over again, he's like, Hey, we're looking everywhere we can. And to the extent that he kept discussing it, it was like almost setting everybody up for not failure, but like setting, raising expectations. I think for some of the fan base, because if you keep talking about getting a big name of some sort, then you kind of need to deliver. So yeah, they definitely were anybody who was conceivably available. I mean, that list that Jeremy had, I mean, that goes beyond that, I would say, from what I know. And they landed on Carson Wentz. So why did I get Carson Wentz? I mean, look, the Aaron Rodgers signing happens and then like, what, 10 minutes, the Russell Wilson trade happens. 24 hours later, the Carson Wentz trade happens. I don't think these things are, I think these things are connected to a degree. Once everybody knew Rodgers is gone, then Denver and Seattle could react there. Once Washington knew that those two guys were gone and you start looking at the landscape, you know, what are you going to do? I, I, I mean, we can debate what, how good Carson Wentz is, but in terms of guys who have some been are proven on some level, how many other guys are out there that we think are actually going to get moved? Jimmy Garoppolo, but that's kind of about it. The free agent class isn't that exciting. The rookies coming in, everybody is a bit unenthused about them, so you could make the argument that Ron Rivera maybe painted himself into a bit of a corner by saying we have to do something and he's kind of running out of options. So they jumped on Carson Wentz and I'm sure we can get into how good he is, but that's kind of, I think how things went down. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk about whether they were bidding against themselves, whether they overpaid for a quarterback who was probably going to be cut by the Colts. And, you know, we'll never know for sure whether they were just going to dump him out. Right. That's kind of a moot point. I, I think at this stage, I mean, the trade happened, I would imagine that Jimmy Garoppolo would cost at least as much, if not more, in trade as as Carson Wentz. So, you know, 
this is the move they made. It's the quarterback for them now. I did listen to your um, emergency episode of the Standing Room Only podcast yesterday with Zach Kiefer and some others. Zach Kiefer, of course, uh, writes about the Colts for The Athletic. So what do you know about what they expect from Carson Wentz? And I guess even beyond that, do you think that this changes the team's plan or potential plan for drafting a quarterback uh, next month in the NFL draft? Well, obviously, whether they did anything at quarterback or not before the draft, you don't always know how the draft board is going to react. Literally every single mock draft that's out there just gives the first quarterback to Washington at 11, at least before the Wentz trade, right? Almost inevitably, maybe Denver at nine when they still had that pick. But it's pretty much always Washington at 11 because it feels logical. It's hard to figure out what other team might want them. And you're, we're all saying this is not a great quarterback class, but the quarterback's going to go high. So, so it would have to go somewhere. At a minimum, Washington would probably have been in pretty good position to get one of the top two quarterbacks, and yet they made this trade. I, I, I will see, but I'd be surprised, I guess, if they took a quarterback at eleven now, because if you were that if you were that interested in getting one of those guys in advance, you're kind of blocking that player now by going with Carson Wentz. Now, technically, Carson Wentz's contract only has guaranteed on money on it this year; they can get out of it after this year. But if you're getting out of it after one year, well, then that's things kind of went wrong. So that to me says they wouldn't. On the other hand, Washington, one of the variables that they are dealing with is, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but there's a lot of negative energy around this place these days. And I don't think Carson Wentz is going to solve that himself by any stretch. So drafting a rookie quarterback gives you some hope. It gives you another option in case Carson Wentz doesn't work out. Taylor Heineke is a free agent after this season so at a minimum but you could have some depth there but i don't see that happening at 11 maybe later on but i don't think so at 11 i feel like we've learned over the past few years that nfl teams should be firing more qb bullets i mean just because you have a guy that you think is going to be your starter doesn't necessarily mean you don't draft another one we watched the Niners spend a whole bunch to go up and get Trey Lance and then he didn't start at all last year except for the one game Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt uh Justin Fields didn't open the season starting for the Bears you know we, we've seen other guys not start right away so I do think that the, it would it can still make sense for them to draft somebody but we'll obviously kind of have to wait and see what happens there and wait and see what's on the board because I probably part of it is they can't count on the guy that they like if they even know who that is yet being there when they uh, come up to pick. So looking at Wentz and looking at the current team, is there anything that you know the coaches were hoping to do better in the passing game that Carson Wentz should be able to help them with versus what Taylor Heineke could bring? Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if uh, places like, you know, you guys and, and others who, who evaluate quarterbacks and give ratings and r- ratings and stuff, Gave it gave high marks for grit. Taylor Heineke would be one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. But in terms of the basic things you're looking for in a quarterback, size, arm strength, you know, he is a bit limited. He got a lot. He gets a lot out of his abilities, but it's it limits the playbook. It's harder. to He, he does not have the strongest arm. So going down the field to Terry McLaurin or, or others it, it, it is not so is not so easy um, because he's not the biggest guy, you know, thro- staying in the pocket isn't so easy. Carson Wentz from a physical perspective changes all that six, five strong arm. So at a minimum, Scott Turner, their offensive coordinator will be able to open up the playbook a bit more. And by the way, for Scott Turner, you know, go back to when he arrived in 2020, he had an inexperienced Dwayne Haskins. He had Alex Smith playing on a, 
busted leg. You know, he has Ryan Fitzpatrick for less than one half of football. Now he has Taylor Heineke. Like he hasn't had anybody who even sniffs a prototype quarterback with some success. This will be the first time. But of course, Carson Wentz is also a bit of a broken quarterback based on how things went in Indy and why the Colts decided to move on from him. So, you know, I think it's going to give Scott Turner the chance to run the playbook in full as he sees fit. On the other hand, you know, they're also got to figure out what was wrong with Carson Wentz. Some of the issues were more a little bit uh, personality, locker room stuff, but some of them are obviously were on the field as well. And, and that's what they're going to have to figure out is what was he doing wrong that, that was causing him problems there. I mean, the Colts, as you surely know, it's not that they leaned heavily on Jonathan Taylor last year. They, they were like, here, you run the ball and we'll throw it when we have to. But it did work and Wentz had pretty good numbers. But you obviously need him to be a bit more upfront if you're Washington for this thing to really work. Yeah. Downfield passing was something I in particular thought of right away. And I mean, yeah, Terry McLaurin can obviously get down the field and really work any area that they want him to. Curtis Samuel we tend to think of as a slot guy, but when he was with Scott Turner in Carolina, they tried him downfield a lot, even though Kyle Allen was their primary quarterback that season. So perhaps they have more in line for Curtis Samuel going deep downfield this year. Deami Brown, of course, is a speedster. I will mm-hmm. see if he's ready to take a step at all. What should we expect from Curtis Samuel and Deami Brown? In, in, you know, in terms of Curtis Samuel being more ready to contribute this year after basically losing last year to the groin injury, and Deami Brown maybe being actually ready for the NFL this year. Yeah, I mean, Deami Brown's a little simpler. I mean, you know, it 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 can take rookie receivers a minute to get acclimated. He started. Uh, right off the bat because of the Curtis Samuel injuries, and he just never got going. I still think they have pretty good expectations for him. I mean, uh, I was, you know, in talking here on a, to a guy who's doing fantasy, I, I wouldn't today on March 10th say go draft the Ami Brown, but, you know, let's see what he looks like in training camp. I really liked him in camp last year. I, I think he's a little bit, he reminds me of McLaurin a little bit, but obviously he's got to have to uh, progress. Curtis Samuel, look, I mean, who who knows, right? He didn't even play last year, basically. So... Showing up and practicing and playing, we'll start with that. Obviously, what we saw in Carolina was a guy that you can kind of, you know, like more of a chess piece than like an outside receiver. It can kind of play all over the place. They seem to want to play him more outside, which is what Scott Turner did when he had Samuel, whereas the group that replaced Ron Rivera played Samuel more in the slot, and he was far more effective in that, or far more efficient at least, in that realm. I kind of get the feeling that they want to make him more of that chess piece again this time. But we'll see what they do. You know, are they going to actually go out and sign somebody in free agency or, you know, look sitting at 11 if they don't draft a quarterback? A bunch of receivers are there, right? And maybe that's a way to help Carson Wentz uh, go in that direction. So, obviously, Curtis Samuel's a guy who can play, but he has to play. That's the big question mark. I'm not even going to speculate as to this point as to whether he'll be ready for training. Can't be better be. Otherwise, you know, I don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. And I mean, they gave him more than $10 million a year in free agency last year. So clearly they want him to be a significant piece to the offense. Speaking of injury, do you have any update for us on Logan Thomas at all? It's kind of early in his recovery, considering it was an ACL at basically the end of the season. Do they have any idea about his prognosis as of now for being ready for camp or even the start of the season? Uh, not really. I mean, honestly, I don't think we've really even asked Rivera about that too much lately. There's been other other topics right. to get to, and they haven't had a head trainer uh, since week four last year because their head trainer is still currently under a DEA investigation. So, <laughs> and they have not hired a replacement. So, 
Rivera relied on, it was a trainer he brought from Carolina, relied on him for trust and information and all that. Not that other people aren't telling him things. I just mean, I think that person helped simplify the message for Rivera. And without that, he really kind of was less interested in sharing updates. So don't have an update on Logan Thomas. But, you know, obviously when you're dealing with the ACL, you know, it feels like some guys come back and they're miraculously back pretty short. Other guys need longer. So I guess there's a world where, where Logan Thomas could be ready by the start of camp. I don't I don't know for sure, though. Um, the issue would be if he isn't quite ready, there's no obvious guy on this roster. John Bates, I think, was probably their best rookie last year, which isn't to say he was spectacular. He was just solid, and a lot of other guys just under underachieved. But I'm not, even if Logan Thomas was out, he doesn't look like a guy that is a volume pass catcher or anything like that. So I think we may get a sense of where they think Logan Thomas is by do they make a move in free agency here to bring in a veteran who's got some status because they're not quite sure if Logan Thomas will be ready uh, for week one. Mm-hmm. Matthew Barry does this post combine column every year where he writes up a bunch of things that he heard from people just meeting folks at, at the scouting combine. One of the things that he mentioned, I think we both know he's a Washington fan. Uh, so we talked some Washington stuff. Um, a couple things, actually. J.D. McKissick, first of all, it sounds to Mr. Barry as though Washington would like to bring McKissick back. Is that your sense on J.D. McKissick as well, who's hitting free agency? Yeah, they've been pretty public about about that for sure. And, and, and they, you know, in private, they also, hey, we, we do want to get him back. I mean, you know, he's been one of their better acquisitions in the Ron Rivera era. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, you know, a slithery ball carrier, you know, former wide receiver. He can definitely catch passes. Their offense, when he got hurt towards the second during the second half of the year, really did take a step back. I mean, it wasn't just him, but that was a big factor. Safety valve kind of a guy. He's got a market, though. I think it's, from what I've heard, several teams are interested. What does that mean? Who knows? I mean, in terms of money or whatever. But I don't think he's going to be sitting there going, well, I hope Washington calls me. So we'll see now. I mean, part of the fallout from this Carson Wentz trade is they've they ate up a bunch of their salary cap now today they got a little bit more by with the expected release of Landon Collins once the year starts but what will they be able to 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 do I I, one thing I kind of have thought is I feel like Curtis Samuel and JD McKissick I'm not saying they're the same player but it's kind of an overlapping situation of players you can line up in different spots and I almost feel like on some level do you need them both because you can't really line up either of them outside but neither one of them is a real running back even though they both will play out of the backfield. So it does feel like there's a little bit of overlap. And if McKissick were to leave, this may be a way for Samuel to get even more work, sort of picking up some of that slack. But that said, I think they want to keep McKissick. And I wouldn't be surprised if they added another running back on top of it because Antonio Gibson, you know, he's had some injury issues, fumble issues. He's been productive, but I think they're going to have to rely on the ground game a bunch to offset Carson Wentz's Carson Wentzness and having two and three running backs back there to help do that. Uh, I, I think for the long haul probably would, would benefit them. Do you think Jarrett Patterson is a good bet to at least fight for that third job? Or you think they'd like to upgrade on that? I think they'd like to upgrade. I mean, it's, you know, great story, fun kid, but you know, he's obviously, you know, he, he was undrafted, you know, super, super small. He's compact. So he can run between the tackles a little bit, but I, I, I would think they're looking to, to do a little bit more. And that's one of those positions, right? Where, you know, whether it's a fifth round pick or, or somebody in, in free agency, you can find somebody without breaking the bank to, to mm-hmm. complement what you have. So, you know, if they want to do that, I would think they probably can can find it. And, you know, we'll see if they don't, then Patterson could be in the mix. But uh, and also, again, if, if, if McKissick is gone, then maybe Patterson sort of helps out a little bit in that space if they don't come up with something better. 
whoever's catching passes out of the backfield is not going to be happy about Carson Wentz arriving because he would rather scramble and sling it than just check it down to a running back. Oh, okay. So we'll yeah, see well, about the the impact there. It was a, that was a big thing for the the Colts going from Philip Rivers, who loves checking down running backs, to Carson Wentz, who would rather you know run around. Naheem Hines kind of disappeared for us last year. One other thing from the Matthew Berry column that I, I that caught my interest was Cam Sims, and he. I probably did a little bit more for last year's Washington team than most people realize. And I wonder, is he somebody that we should be paying more attention to as we start moving toward 2022? Somebody who could just stick around because he's not expensive and be an outside guy and really kind of add some of that flexibility you're talking about to Curtis Samuel. Yeah, I mean, basically, I think I'm the president of the Cam Sims fan club amongst the media. And ever since he showed up as an undrafted rookie, I think, was it four years ago? Out of Alabama, got great size. He, he can make plays down the field. He makes plays up in the air. I'm always like, wait, this guy should be a factor, especially in the red zone. And every year, the same thing basically happens. The year starts, he falls down the depth chart, or he doesn't even make the initial roster and ends up on the practice squad. And by the end of the year, he's the one back in the lineup, making some plays. You know, that top, that, that playoff game where Taylor Heineke burst onto the scene against Tampa Bay, Cam Sims got over 100 yards that game, and yet, Going into the next season, he immediately falls down the depth chart. But here we are in this offseason, and Ron Rivera said this to me before the combine, and he's said it, and as did Martin Mayhew at the combine, that Cam Sims is a the guy they need to get more involved. And I'm like, okay, well, then why don't you just do it already? Like, I, I it always sort of drives me crazy when coaches or say this, like, then just do it. Like, I, it's not that complicated. But, you know, we'll see. Look, if they don't add a receiver, of note and for agency and you have cam sims and deami brown on the outside that's not going to sound terribly exciting and maybe it's not but i do think there's some potential there and like i said cam sims has a really good size he is a bit inconsistent i think that's been his biggest issue in general but that said he's interesting we'll just have to see if they actually add uh, a, a significant veteran or draft a, a player high in it this year and as fantasy folks, we'd love to hear the we need to get him more involved on a guy like that because Cam Sims is free. Uh, you know, if you're best ball drafting right now and you're drafting a bunch of teams, you can take him a couple times in the 20th round. And if nothing happens, you lose nothing. And if something happens, then you have a potentially differentiating player that people aren't going to have. So I'll be looking a bit more into Cam Sims going forward than I have to this point, which is pretty much zero, to be honest. Now, before I let you go, Ben, because I know you have a lot going on right now with Washington keeping you guys on your toes. I did hear you on your pod yesterday say that when you were in Indy for the Combine, you had, quote, more conversations about Mitchell Trubisky than any of the rookie quarterbacks. Can you tell me more about these conversations surrounding Trubisky, who I, I've been surprised at how much buzz there has been on him over the past few weeks? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm the one in these conversations, and the, the Trubisky to the Wash to Washington buzz had existed. Obviously, they went a different direction ultimately, but that's been going back for a while. I started writing, like, I get annoyed <laughs> when everybody fans around here or even some media would say all right Aaron Rodgers Russell Wilson they're gonna try I'm like stop <laughs> why are those that's not gonna happen let's be realistic Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the ceiling but don't sleep on Trubisky and by the way he's gonna have options and it appears that he will I think the thing is I don't think it's so much Trubisky as it as if like everybody's falling in love for him it's to say there's pretty limited options available in the trade market. I, again, I know Russell Wilson just got traded, but still we'll see. Or, well, and Carson Wentz, but you know what I mean? Like we don't know what's going to happen there. And then this draft class isn't uninspiring, especially when it comes to this year. 
So to me, if I was a team like Washington was going to have to pick through the free agents, I would want to go for a guy who's a broken piece. I think I can fix that gives me the best chance to be a Ryan Tannehill reclamation project type. And Trubisky fits a lot of the traits, athletic. I mean, look, I, I get it. It didn't work out in Chicago, air, in air quotes, I'm saying that. But, like, he was 29 and 21 as a starter. Uh, they made the playoffs two years. It's not like it was, like, a massive disaster. But it didn't work there for whatever reason. And when you're staring at a situation of, well, what are we going to do? Go sign an Andy Dalton or even, like, a Teddy Bridgewater who's solid but kind of know exactly what he is? Do we take a high draft pick on one of these rookies that nobody feels particularly great about? or sign this guy for you know free meaning no draft picks mm-hmm. give him a one or two year deal that's why i think he's come up now i don't know there's been rumors about the giants there's obviously the connection between brian dable who was with him in buffalo i guess that makes sense if they are if they're not that excited about daniel jones um but i i think it's more of the circumstances than the player that's led mitch trubisky to be the talk of the town of late yeah, I mean, I guess we have to assume from the Wentz trade that Washington deemed Wentz to be a better option for them than Mitchell Trubisky. Otherwise, they would have just waited until free agency opened, right? For sure. I was discussing this on a, I just recorded an interview for my upcoming podcast. and It was basically playing it out. What would you rather have? Carson Wentz, who is a better quarterback than Trubisky to this point in their careers, for $28.3 million and you have to give up these picks or take the flyer on Mitch Trubisky Less money, which means you also have more money to spend on other stuff. But at the most important position, you're rolling the dice that a guy who didn't quite work out in Chicago and didn't play at all last year suddenly is ready to do a lot more than he's shown to date. That's an interesting way to look at it. And I get clearly they determined for whatever the reason that Carson Wentz was the way to go. Yeah, I, I guess that's the surprising part is if you just if you really break down what they had to give to get him versus waiting until next week when free agency opens. It's clear that they were like, well, we like securing Wentz over taking our chances with these other options. So clearly they believe that there's something in him. He probably is the starter this year for the 70% of the snaps that makes it a second round pick that second, third round or so, you know, here we are, Ben, we're heading into 2022 with likely Carson Wentz as the full-time Washington quarterback. By the way, now we know the answer to, you know, what, what would you rather have the bird in the hand or, 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 or two in the bush? Like, okay, the bird in the hand costs two third round picks and a swap of the seconds. That's what the bird in the hand costs. Cause that's what they did. The other thing is all hypothetical. They're like, no, no, screw it. We're just getting this over with. We're going to do it. So we'll see. <laughs> he started as a bird. He's going to stay a bird in the hand. Um, you though are a senior writer at the athletic. You can read Ben's stuff there you can follow him on twitter at ben standig if you want to stay on top of all the washington football news ben thanks again for coming on joining me giving some of your insights matt great catching up man i appreciate it yeah you too buddy that'll do it for this episode of the draft sharks podcast join us here tomorrow at noon eastern to talk best ball drafting with james brimacomi's eagles to you best ball hounds head to draftsharks.com right now you can check out our initial set of 2022 fantasy football rankings we will of course update those for further trades free agent moves, NFL draft, all the other stuff. But the picture's starting to take shape already. For my guest, Ben Standig, and the entire Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shouse, and thanks so much for swimming with us.